Learn the most empowering hiring techniques. Land the most desirable talent. Launch your company towards massive success. This is the Higher Power Radio Show with your host, Rick Gerard. People don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it. That's from our friend Simon Sinek. Now, how does this translate to your hiring? The simple answer is that your company's why is the one thing that differentiates whether a person joins for the paycheck or something bigger, because it's more important to them. It's the what's in it for me. The right person, right seat needs to happen every time. Your company depends on it. So when we hire solely for skills, we experience the wrong person, right seat, more than 51% of the time. When we hire for values first and skills second, it moves us closer to the 75% success rate. In addition, when we are in alignment with the why, the probability for hiring success skyrockets to the over 95 percentile. This is how everyone wins. The right person in the right seat every time. I'm Rick Gerard and welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. We help entrepreneurs and executives win-win the strongest hires. We do so by sharing insights from top performing rebel entrepreneurs, game changers, and industry leaders like our guest today, Mr. Ted Bradshaw. Now, Ted is an expert EOS implementer and community leader at EOS Worldwide. He served as an executive with Xerox and IBM, then left Fortune 500 World to explore the thrills of entrepreneurship. What he found was a long string of success that looked great on the surface, but underneath it all, he felt anxious, exhausted, stressed, chasing money wherever it led, and wondering why he never felt fulfilled. I know that one, buddy. Along this journey, Ted gained valuable insight to how a person can achieve fulfillment in all aspects of life, and he shares those insights with his best-selling book, Stop Chasing Squirrels. Today, Ted lives his passion in helping others find theirs. A leading proponent of the entrepreneurial operating system, Ted is a speaker, author, and EOS implementer, and the community leader for EOS Worldwide, which is what makes Ted the perfect expert for today's topic. Ted, welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show today. Rick, thanks so much for having me. It is great to see you and uh, thrilled to spend some time with you. And thanks for that overly generous in, uh, intro, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. I was thinking of like all those frustrations you went through. I was like, Leaving the corporate world and, you know, being an entrepreneur, I'm like, oh, you sucker. You <laughs> fell for it just like I did. <laughs> but good for you. Today, we're going to discuss the importance of aligning with why, right? So we're going to talk about why, why alignment is critical. And then we're going to talk about how to hire a person that aligns most with your company's why. Sound like a plan? Sounds like a great plan. Love it. So we always like to start out with kind of the challenge that you're seeing today. And you work with a lot of companies, so I'm sure you've got a lot of great insight on this. But what is the main kind of challenge that most companies that you see are having in this alignment of why? So there's, a, there's something we, in EOS language we call the issues list, Rick, and this is an issues list that's just the running stuff of what's going on, what do we need to deal with. Here are the top three issues I see right now consistently uh, in no particular order. Inflation is on the issue list. Supply chain is on the issue list. And people are on the issue list. And people, by the way, never goes off the issue list, does it? Bingo. Bingo. <laughs> that's, that's just it. A quarter from now, supply chain might be replaced by the recession fears, right? And uh, uh, in, uh, inflation may be replaced by something else, but people never leaves the list. Absolutely. 
God, you know, that's so funny because that's every time I have conversation with people, they talk about the biggest problem being people. (laughs) (laughs) If if there weren't any people, we would probably have no issues. You might have a point. I don't don't know if that's a good solution. Yeah, right. (laughs) You might like threaten a cataclysmic event right there. Maybe. Better be careful. Hopefully that didn't happen. We we better be careful. So what organizations (laughs) need to do? Well, they, they've got to double down, I think, the good ones that on what they've probably already been doing. And you, you highlighted this in the intro. Uh, we need right people, right seats. And that is absolutely something that uh, Jim, this is, this is not new. Jim Collins coined this term and built to last in the early 90s. And ever since then, it's been a, a mantra for if we're going to execute on our business plans and vision, we, we had better have the right people in the right seats on the bus is the way Jim put it. And so that has to continue. And that's definitely a big piece of, of what companies have to keep their eye, their, their focus on. Uh, I'd love to say that that's enough, um, but it isn't anymore. We're getting into kind of the how-to and we'll talk about the second part of the show, but I want to talk about, again, these challenge points. Yes, people are always on it, but like, what is the challenge point for companies and how they're viewing things or how they're dealing with people? Like, where are they missing the mark? So I I think there's this um, hope that it's sort of like the field of dreams. If we build it, they shall come, right? (laughs) It's this whole idea of Hey, you know, we just have to have a, a, a galvanizing vision and a and a real uh, a real inspiring purpose, and we just have to sit back and uh, and just put the ad out, and uh, and people will just show up. And all these unicorns will just flood our inbox. Yeah, because who, <laughs> who wouldn't want to work for us, right? right? Who wouldn't want to work for us? And uh, although this may have been true actually for a good portion of the last. Well, really, since since World War II, in the when all of those baby boomers coming out of World War II really led to un, unparalleled prosperity. You know, certainly in the West, and and now even globally, right? If you start to see some of the different different topics, but some of the developing countries uh, starting to also participate. Um, it used to be there were plenty of workers there were plenty of people and the economies were growing etc etc that demographic shift is happening so we're seeing those baby boomers entering retirement and those are often our leaders those have been you know leading in, in leading positions and so we have to replace them and there aren't as many of you know the generation behind them the gen xers so that that's just naturally going to leave some gaps and and then we had this wonderful experience called COVID that opened a lot of our eyes to what the workplace of the future might look like. And it's really changed the landscape on where people want to work, how they want to work, why they work, and who they're prepared to work for. And all of those forces make it challenging to find people. Find those unicorns, as you mentioned. What's interesting is that what I've found in our search business is that the why has become way more important than the money. For a lot of people, especially since COVID happened, it's why am I doing this? What's my purpose? And can I do it remotely? <laughs> <laughs> why, why? Yeah, that's it. Those are, can I, exactly. That's, that's what I see too. Yep. 
Well, I see a lot of companies that are missing the mark on their why, but also I see a lot of companies that are missing the mark on their core values, so to speak. Again, now there's a really good opportunity for us with a lot of the adjustment went on to create a language, to be running the organization in such a way where the values are driving the why. And I don't think a lot of us look at it that way. I think we look at the what as opposed to like, let's start with why and move outward. Yeah, it's a core core values. uh, Here's the great thing about core values. If you if you are honest about them and uh, you are authentic in your uh, uh, in the way you communicate them and you in the way you derive them, then you can't go wrong. Like you really can't go wrong if 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 what you define as your really the core of the organization, the people, and what what that organization and the people stand for. It doesn't mean that everybody's going to gonna align with that. It doesn't mean that everybody has to connect with that. But those that do will find an authentic place to call home. And so definitely we, we should start with core values and be authentic and true to them. Having core values helps you attract the right people and repel the wrong ones. And that should be your objective whenever you're hiring. You don't want the wrong people getting on the bus. Yeah. Yeah. You don't, you don't because of all the time, energy and effort that it takes to, to hire and to onboard. I often get asked, what's a great interview question or series of questions so that we can try to compel somebody to come work for us. And I, I, I don't, I know I'm, you know, Rick, you're the expert on that stuff. I'm not. So here's what I say. I say, well, I don't know what you should ask them to try to convince them but I would try to discourage them. This is what I would try to do, right? I would 100%. first start with, yeah. Your company's not a used car that you're trying to put somebody into. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's the worst thing that you could possibly do. You're listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. Your host, Rick Gerard. And for our podcast listeners, we're going to take a quick educational moment from our sponsors. Hey, check out stridesearch.com. There you'll find additional content and resources and your link to ordering your copy of Healing Career Wounds. Let it be your guide to hiring success. We're talking to Ted Bradshaw. Ted is a expert EOS implementer and dude, he's just a good guy. So we're talking a little bit about aligning, well, your values and your why with the people that you hired. And actually, we just started to get into kind of a cool thing. You're talking about interview questions and having conversations the worst thing you could do is sell somebody on your company. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and maybe the worst thing you can do if you're the salesperson, Rick, you probably shouldn't be the one doing the interviewing, right? You should be coming in at the last bit of it after everybody else has had their turn, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cause that you spend the whole time, you know, getting excited about what a great place you know, it is to be. And, and uh, we may, we may give the wrong impression because we're so good at, compelling and selling. And and of course, we're going to be excited. But here's the truth. At best, your company is a well-organized shit show. That's really the truth of like most companies. If you're running EOS, you're probably farther ahead than most other companies and you're doing pretty well. But most companies, as exciting as they are, are shit shows. Well, shit shows, uh, are they're certainly not necessarily well-oiled machines where everything goes right every time. Yeah, you're absolutely Rick. It's, it's the, um, if you can find your, uh, you know, remember uh, what the heck was it? Uh, 
was it Frosty the Snowman or something like that? The Land of the Misfit Toys or Rudolph, one of those. We're going back. Right? <laughs> it's back. It's back. But it's just this Land of the Misfit Toys. It's um, it, it's almost like you 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 find this this place where yeah things are dysfunctional, things aren't working real real perfect. But but it's the kind of dysfunction I can get behind. You know, it's the kind of dysfunction I can live live in, live with, and and embrace. And and if we're if we're selling too hard, you you, you might miss that you miss that point. You could repel the right person who thrives in chaos by selling this utopian environment. That person's like, oh, this place is too perfect. I don't want to go here. And that's probably the person that probably would have done best in your role if you were just honest about who you are. Yeah. Yeah. And it also helps when you are when you are disciplined about hiring to those core values and you start to create your organization, whether you're an organization of, of 10, 100, 1,000, or 10,000, if the people that you're hiring embody those core values, they can't help but, again, be transparent and consistent when speaking to somebody else about What's it really like to work here? And when you share the core values, you can share some of the ugly things, some of the, the parts of the shit show. But when you do that from a place of that's our culture though, right? It's, this is our family. It's, it's a dysfunctional family, but we love each other. When you can start to connect those dots, you're, you're, you're building a, a pretty dedicated, committed workforce. So we're starting with core values. Now we're getting into kind of how we fix this problem, right? So we talk about it in the show quite often, start with your core values. What's important about being clear in your core values? So the first, the first step is it's, it's got to start with the leadership team. It's got to start with the executive. It's got to start at the top. I made this mistake in one of my businesses earlier on uh, where we, we understood core values. We understood the importance of them. And what we did is we took a, uh, like a little pilot group, you know, we just selected some people to come sit on the core values committee. All right. Uh, big mistake, big mistake. <laughs> uh, the reason that never goes right. It, yeah. It didn't go well. It was, it was almost like we were trying to be aspirational and, you know, let's create this, this utopia, let's create this marketing. We can put it on the website and it sounds so beautiful. Uh, but the other problem was if you do create a committee and one or more people in that committee don't in fact share the core values, now you're, now you're maybe pulling a core value in that isn't true or authentic. So start with the leadership team, a, a small group uh, in uh, the book traction, uh, which, which is EOS uh, EOS is based on, I, this exercise transcends that, but I think there's an exit. If your listeners Google like mission to Mars exercise, it's going to give them a great way to uh, create their core values. Whereas essentially you just get your leadership together and you get them to think of people in the organization. So you want to think about others in the company, not in the room. So you want, don't want them in the room because that can pull some biases in and you just right away, take out any, uncomfort, you know, discomfort of, oh, I didn't pick, you know, Sally, she's going to be pissed off at me because I didn't pick her. So you just say someone outside of the room that you admire, right? Just pick three people that if you were going to war and you needed a hundred soldiers, who would your, 
100 soldiers be and pick three names. And then you get everyone in the room and chances are you're going to start to see some names that are consistent. So one or two of the leaders may have the same person as, as someone they selected. And then you just get a list of what is it that you admire about those people. And you start to create a laundry list of the characteristics and traits of those people. And then go through an exercise just to filtering down those. And you might have 20 different examples. Filter them down to somewhere between three and seven. Wordsmith them. And there's a good chance you're 80% of the way there to defining your core values. It's a great exercise. Here's the thing, though, where... I find it's really important too, is that you also have to make sure that those things that you pull out resonate with who you are as the leader. Quite frankly, if you're not living those values, then they're aspirational and then they become problematic and then they become writing on the wall, down goes the company. Yeah, that's right. It can't. So there's three, there's three core value traps. And I think Patrick Lencioni was one of the thought leaders on this. Aspirational, things that we really aren't, but we'd love to be. Got to watch out for that unless you're really, really interested in instigating a lot of change, could be disruptive. Um, there's also accidental core values. So sometimes I see this in generational businesses or businesses that were just acquired maybe, and there's a new leadership group, uh, generational or otherwise, maybe this was mom or dad's or uncle or auntie's core values 50 years ago, they no longer apply. So we have to watch out for those accidental values. I almost feel like most companies are accidental core values. Like, I mean, you have core values, whether or not you write them down or live them, right? But there is a way in which people act and how things are done within the organization. Those are probably accidental, right? They, they, pro they, they very well could be, especially if you've got some longstanding employees that remember the good old days and, and we haven't really changed or articulated the change. So watch out for that. So there's, there's aspirational, accidental. And then the third is, is uh, what we call permission to play. These are those you and everybody else, right? Like, don't say you're the hardest working team in the world unless you are the hardest working group in the world, right? I also try to get my teams to shy away from these, you know, integrity honesty right like who wouldn't expect honesty this is kind of table stakes uh you know unless you're you know in some underworld criminal organization maybe maybe <laughs> well that's a good point because i think some of these words that people pick like integrity or professionalism they can be drilled down deeper into subwords that are a little bit more on target for who your company is. Enron's number one core value, by the way, was integrity. Yeah, it was aspirational or it was like a deflection. You know, it was some kind of, hey, let's, hey, look over here. Because, yeah, that would, they were anything but, unfortunately. Or the leadership, the leadership team, just to be fair there, because a, a lot of people got hurt from that. You know what I found works really well too is when you add context as to what that means. So when you say our value is X, how we act to exemplify X is by doing this, 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 and this. And actually tagging measurables to that core value so that essentially you can say, hey, does Joe live our core value of X? Well, yeah, he does. And here's why. And you could actually point out three different ways in which that person does rather than Kind of, well, I don't know, maybe sometimes he does, sometimes they don't. So if you have clear language around it, it becomes much easier for you to evaluate people and score them right on your scorecard or whatever you're using to evaluate them. You, you, you absolutely have to be 100%, you 100% have to explain these. 
And here's why I've got a lot of teams that um, they, they, I probably got, I don't know, half a dozen different companies. Each of them have a core value called uh, do the right thing. So that's their core value. Do the right thing. That one's very common by the way. So you've seen it too. Oh, a million times. It'll mean different things in different companies. And so that's why we absolutely have to say one of our core values is do the right thing. And then there's got to be a story and an an analogy, right? An anti-value, what it isn't. All of these things are stories to help our people understand what we mean by do the right thing, for example. I like that point of the anti-value. What it isn't is doing the right thing for ourselves, right? It's doing the right thing for our customers and others, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, some, some believe that they are. They are actually embodying that core value. And they, they believe they are, you know, uh, exemplifying it. The behaviors are supporting it. It takes their leaders or their managers to say, I don't think you understand what do the right thing means around here. And we just have to be really clear and we have to give them examples too. This is where I see a failure of leadership where we just sort of say, Hey, that's not do the right thing. Smarten up. And that's right. Okay. What do you mean? What do you mean? I I thought it was do the right thing. What you have to say, look, this is why that's not doing the right thing. This and give really get specific with them so that they understand it. And then at the same time, we have to reward as well. We have to encourage that when we see something that is aligned with the core value, we've got to let them know. That was a great example of do the right thing. Keep it up. You see, one of ours is actually dig deeper. And we've differentiated that you want to go five levels under, right? So if you're not going five levels deep, you're not going deep enough. Ah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. In my mind, you can't understand things unless you really go underneath the hood and you go into the guts of the engine and figure out what's going on. Where are the real problems lying as opposed to where do we think that they lie? Just based on our own experience, right? Yeah, the symptoms, the symptoms. Yeah, I had a friend that used to say to me, it was prescription before diagnosis is malpractice. (laughs) I like that. And that's what a sales call is most of the time too, right? Like we've got this great product and, you know, or hey, you should come work for my company. We've got this great company. We're doing this, 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 you know what I mean? So it feels like a sales call. And it's really malpractice. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And, and we're, we're not, we're actually not helping ourselves and we're not helping the job seeker. Right. We, we, it, it, it really, it, it, it really has to be, we have to be prepared. We do have to be prepared to go without for a while, you know, to, to, to take our time uh, rather than, just filling, filling a seat because it's empty. Well, that's the thing that kills us. I've got this open seat. I need to get it filled quickly. And a lot of times things get circumvented. Like, let's just fast track this role, get the seat filled so we have somebody doing the work and we don't have that gap. We don't lose more people. But bringing in the wrong person kind of creates more conflict, which perpetuates you losing other people, which kind of creates this vicious cycle. Taking your time is definitely critical here. It is. The values piece, really, really strong. So what's the next step in actually connecting this to somebody else's why so that they see it, we see it, and it becomes a good fit? So at the, I would say at the base level of this, we use the right seat uh, 
analogy. Okay. So the right seat on the bus. So <clears throat> what, what does that seat on the bus look like? Uh, well, this is the organizational chart, or as we call it in EOS, the accountability chart. So we, we want to get really clear if I'm heading up my, uh, if I'm heading up the finance department and I'm accountable for certain things, uh, then I, uh, and I realize I need a team that, to help me deliver on what I'm accountable for. I should take a look at, well, how many people do I need? And let's say it's three or four people. I've got to really get clear on, well, what, what's, what's the definition of the roles for each of those seats? So it doesn't have to be a, a prolonged job description at this stage. It's just a simple, you know, three to five accountabilities or roles. What do I need? So we got to start there because we've got to set the expectation of what does this seat look like? Now, when we've, when we've attracted people to the organization and we're ready to bring them in, we're comfortable that they're going to be a core value fit. We want to assess them against the seat and the seat, those accountabilities, we, we just, do they have the, do they have the skill set to do it? Do they have the experience to do it? Do they actually want to do it? All right. So these are all questions that, that are, important for us to ask uh eos language we use for this is gwc when you look at the roles do they get it do the neurons connect do they understand the ins and the outs do they want to do the job and do they have the capabilities so skill experience training etc now what what if 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 we're in great shape then we find somebody that fits that seat like a glove and that's wonderful when that happens. And that happens more often than you think when you put diligence into it, when you actually take your time doing it. You do have to take your time. Yes. Now, here's the little and I'm, and I'm going to come back to what happens when what happens later. Let's say what happens if you can't find them right away and they need to be trained or developed. We're going to talk about that. Or what happens when they're in that right seat but there's changes because the organization's changing so quickly or the market's changing so quickly and we need to develop our people or maybe there's a slight change to the seat so the GWC isn't there, you know, quite fitting like that puzzle piece. So I, I, I want to come back to that. But before we go there, just to address what you asked about how do we connect the why, this is where I think the next step in right people, right seats connected to the organization's why. So you, you cited Simon Sinek at the beginning and uh, Simon, he, was, he popularized this start with why and he used Apple as the example. So if any, any of your listeners want to go YouTube it, they'll, they'll find it. It's probably his most popular. And it was pretty cool because it was, well, why is Apple computer so important, like so successful? Is it because they... You know, they know how to make computers, is it, you know, because of, you know, the, the base, the basic things. And, and he, and he really opened our eyes to, no, it's, it's why they do what they do that makes them so special. So it got organizations thinking about their why and how does that apply to the market? How does that apply to their customers? How does that apply to what they want to do? What mark do they want to make in the world? And that's all good stuff. In EOS, we call that a core focus. Many organizations will call it a mission statement or a vision statement or something like that. What's important though now is to review that mission 
review that core focus and ask the question, where do our people fit into this mission? But even before you have people, getting people on board, and I think it's really important that we understand what their why is as well. You need to understand what a person's why is before you even make the hire to ensure that, hey, look, at we're in alignment here. If that person meshes with the mission of the company, the purpose, and their why is to work in a point where they're positioned well for your organization, what they want is what you offer. Boy, that's so powerful. Yeah, yeah. It, it, so there's a, I, I, I think if we really get to you know, dig deeper here, okay, if we, di- if we dig deeper here, we, we start to see that uh, the, the why of the organization is important uh, and it's important for our people to align with it and care about it. But we also have to realize that it's not going to be the end all and be all for them because they have a lot of other things going on in their lives. Wise change. And wise change. Exactly. This is where the importance of helping our people understand their why takes us to the next level of engagement. I think it takes us to the next level of development. It's going to take us to the next level of really try. I, I, I've been toying with this, this concept, Rick, from, from my, some of my past lives. Uh, I was in software development for a while. And, and one of the terms we use is minimal viable product. And minimal viable product is just simply don't try to make your product perfect. Let's get it out there. Let's test it. Let's see what works, doesn't work. And then you, you iterate and you make changes on the fly. Well, you know, that works for software development, maybe other types of development. What we're not wanting is minimal viable person or minimal viable people, right? I would challenge that argument. If you think about it, most startup companies that are software companies fail. So if you're building an MVP and that works, then would more software companies succeed? I don't know. I'm just just saying. Okay. All right. Well, it, it, it... it might might be me. I think with one of our one of my businesses, we we didn't iterate fast enough. We were waiting for too much perfection, you know, <clears throat> and that it got was a, it was kind of slow for us to change. Uh, but different podcast or a different topic for your podcast. But you know what, Ted? Shoot, I hate to do this, but we're getting pretty close on time. So, what would be two or three key takeaways you can give the audience that can plug into the business today? All right. So number one, just leading, uh, continuing off for where we're leaving, leaving off here, um, get really clear on. So we talked about core values. We talked about putting the right person in the right seat. Make sure your mission contemplates your people in there somewhere. Next level stuff, though, now, Rick, is start to ask the question, do we know our people's purposes? Do we know their why there? If we can start to unpack that. Uh, now, now we're on to something. So I would encourage your listeners to start to ask the question, first of all, do they know their why as leaders, not the companies, but their own. And then with that clear, uh, have a conversation. Do they understand their, their employees wise? That is so important. Like that individual why and your why and your company why I think is so critical that it, again, it helps to attract and repel the wrong people. Ted, thanks so much for your time investment today. And I want to welcome you to the Higher Power Radio community. Now, what would be the best way in which members of the audience can find you and uh, find out more about what you do? Best, fastest way is www.tedbradshaw.com. 
all my socials are on there. Uh, you reach out on LinkedIn, find me on Ted Bradshaw. All the socials, you'll find me either Ted Bradshaw or Ted Bradshaw Co. C-O. All right. Well, I want to thank our listening audience for tuning in this week's episode of Higher Power. Quick thanks to our team, Brian Colburn, Andrea Ballin, and Ayla Gerard. If you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe, review, and share after all this shows for you. And we want to continue to bring you valuable content week after week. You can join the Higher Power Radio community at Hire, H-I-R-E, Power, P-O-W-E-R, Radio, R-A-D-O.com, or you can drop me an email at rickatstridesearch.com. Tune in next Tuesday. We're going to have another value-driven episode of Higher Power Radio. I'm your host, Rick Gerard, and you have been listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. Aloha. Thank you for listening to Higher Power Radio. Catch our LinkedIn Live Show every Tuesday at noon or download the podcast on iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, or your favorite podcast platform. We appreciate you joining us on Higher Power Radio with your guide to hiring success, Rick Gerard. Rick Gerard. Rick Gerard.